the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This live program is sponsored by Tandem HR. I see my name in shiny lights. Yeah. A different city every night. Oh, I, I swear. The world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we are all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at ShalomKlein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. a live show. You can call into the beautiful studio here in Elk Grove Village at 312-642-5600. We are powered by Tandem HR, and you could give them a call, 630-928-0510, or check out their fantastic website, TandemHR.com. It's a wealth of knowledge and information. Um, so give them a call. You'll get a free consultation. Just mention you heard about them on Get Down to Business. So it is a very important month. It's Women's History Month, and this is a month in which we celebrate women accomplishing some amazing things. And, of course, on this show, we love to feature amazing women in business. So I'm thrilled to be joined my, by my first guest for the evening, Danielle Pierce, who is really all about real estate, wealth, and women and Danielle, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. Oh, thank you so much. It is a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So, Danielle, you are a uh, you are a powerhouse, and I think that that is a an understatement. Um, as I said, uh, obviously, you are a successful woman in business, but you have a quote on your website. Really simple words, but there's a lot to unpack, and I want to get right into it. You say that real estate is a tool to achieve financial wealth, which are obviously two topics that you talk a lot about. Um, Danielle, how did you get into this world? Uh, so long story short, I initially had the idea that I was going to go to college and climb the corporate ladder and get this great job and become partner in a public accounting firm. And so I graduated and I got the job and I didn't like accounting. Actually, I hated accounting and I told myself, uh, Danielle, this does not appear to be the path for you. <laughs> so I ended up actually being laid off. There was a series of layoffs at my job, which at the time was equity office in downtown Chicago, and they were laying off um, entire departments. I got laid off, which is what I thought I wanted. I thought I was ready to be an entrepreneur. And then it happened, and then I realized that I so wasn't ready <laughs> to be an entrepreneur. But um, long story short, I always have um, been interested in real estate like a lot of people are. Um, I got into the industry. I got my license, and I tried a bunch of different things. But because I was a dabbler, I wasn't really able to be successful for about five and a half years or so. But then when I decided to specialize in the two areas that I work in, that's when all the magic happened. So that's like the 60-second version. Well, that's really exciting. And now what I find very impressive about what you 
you have done is you are a success. Um, obviously, you talk a lot about wealth. You talk about financial wealth, which is yeah. what drives a lot of people that listen to this program. But you are all about trying to help other people achieve that success. So I don't want to give away all of, all of the secret sauce over here. But what would you say are some of the nuggets that, you, that you've learned along the way of being, as you say, a 10-year full-time entrepreneur that has achieved some degree of success in wealth through real estate? So the thing you have people have to realize about real estate is that all the things work. So there's wholesaling, there's commercial real estate, there's uh, working with renter, renters, there's leasing, there's flipping, there's all these different things that, you know, you see on TV, you see on social media. And people, um, I think the mistake a lot of us have made, and even myself in the beginning, is that we try something for like three or four weeks. And then when we run into difficulty, we give up and switch over to something else. So my advice would be to anyone who wants to get into real estate is just to pick an area, but that best aligns with your personality, how much money you have, how much time you have, and kind of what your dream life looks like. And then you work backward and find the area that best um, fits those requirements, and then you stay with it. So if your thing is wholesaling, stay with wholesaling. If it's tax lien investing, which is one of my areas, then you stay in tax lien investing. If it's working with foreclosed properties, then you stay in that area. But what you don't do is, is flip-flop across the spectrum of all 79 pathways to a million dollars in real estate. You just have to pick one and then don't deter from that path. Uh, that's great advice. And I'm chatting with Danielle Pierce, um, the head honcho and the mastermind of the Real Estate Profit Lab. Um, Danielle has been sharing many bits of advice, but it sounds like that uh, the sort of that underlying theme is don't try to be a jack of all trades. Focus on the areas yeah. that you are really good at and find that area that you are really good at and then focus on it and then become an expert. And indeed, that's what you have become. So you wrote a book. Let's talk a little bit about the, that book um, in which uh, you provide sort of the personal guide to six and seven figure um, a real estate career. Um, so what are some of the things that you talk about in the uh, in the book? So in the book, I talk about... Honestly, you know, it, it's a little bit of an autobiography as well as a, a handbook. And it, it all works together, though, because what I found in being self-employed for so long, and I'm sure you will agree with this, too, is that whatever issues you have personally, they always tend to manifest in your business. So for me, I was the... I, I guess you could, I considered myself master of the universe. So I didn't like to say no to people. I was always willing to help. I always, you know, wanted to, you know, reach back and, and, and support. And, and I thought that that was the best thing for me to do as far as helping people. When in reality, sometimes, you know, people, people pay attention to what they pay for. So I would, you know, like to share that with everyone who's listening because I learned that lesson a very, very hard way over a period of many, many years. But people pay attention to things that they actually pay for. Not saying that you should charge for everything, but I am specifically saying that you should value what you put out into the universe, um, especially if you've worked hard for it. So with regard to the book, it's a lot about, it's a little bit about my personal life and, and my background growing up as one of five children. I was an Evans scholar, so I was a caddy for like from 13 through 18 years old, which which people are always amazed when they find out that this black girl was a caddy in, uh, in Flossmore, Illinois. And so that's actually how I went to college, though. So I'll talk about that, but then I also really talk to, um, about my message early, which is sticking to one thing and not, uh, and not trying to be an expert across a bunch of different areas. Well, Danielle, uh, you have a remarkable story, and I do hope that everybody can, uh, can pick up a copy of your book, and we'll share the website 
um, in just a few minutes. But um, you talk a lot about women, wealth, and real estate. And indeed, as I mentioned earlier in the program, it's uh, Women's History Month. It's it's always an important month to celebrate women um, that have accomplished so many things. But in particular, on this program, we talk about business, and you have um, you have accomplished a lot. And uh, on the personal side of things, you uh, you call yourself or, or you you talk about in the book. You talk about helping mompreneur, mompreneurs. I had to uh, take yes. a moment to pronounce that. Elevate <laughs> their lifestyle and achieve generational wealth through real estate. And in particular, you you talk about how to help women. You don't promise anything, but how to help women create six figure revenue streams within twenty four months. So, if somebody is focused and they follow your advice, they can really see success pretty quickly. Yes, I so unlike, you know, the online coaching and courses is is very popular now and and I, I don't like to I never discredit anyone else's program as far as saying that it doesn't work, but I know the different thing about my program and what I do is that I already accomplished the things that I say that other people can do. So I got that down, I mastered that part and then I started coaching as opposed to just going right into coaching based on theory, based on, you know, classes, based on coursework and things like that. So that's the differentiating factor and it has been huge i have over 300 five-star reviews right now so and and counting so i'm super happy about that well congratulations on the book congratulations on on your success and most importantly congratulations on helping so many other people um including so many women uh in the business community of chicago achieve success through real estate um so danielle pierce how can people get a hold of you if they want to purchase a copy of the book and learn a little bit about your story and maybe uh ask a couple of questions Sure, absolutely. So my website is daniellepierce.com. No, su- no surprise there. But I also have a really great YouTube channel, um, which is under Real Estate Profit Lab. So either one of those will be ideal. And Danielle, I have time for one quick question, which is coming yes. uh, in uh, through, uh, through text message. Um, people are asking, what is the one thing that you wish you knew uh, you know, sort of prior to starting the business that you've learned along the way? Uh, is there a mistake perhaps that you've made along the way that you would want to help other women in business uh, prevent? The one mistake, well, there's hundreds, but we only <laughs> have a couple, of, a couple of minutes. The big thing that I would say is I wish that I had learned to not be a one-woman show and, and operate in my little silo for so many years by myself. I think in order to get to the levels of success that many of us want, you have to have other people. And doing so requires that you get rid of a lot of fear and anxiety around doing that. And I wish I'd done that years ago, as opposed to just now, you know, working on that. Well, Danielle, thanks for sharing uh, and being so open and honest and uh, sharing your, your struggles, but also sharing your tips, advice, information. Let's share that website one more time so our listeners can get a hold of you and learn more about the book and how they can uh, talk to you about any questions about business and real estate. Absolutely. So the um, the book is on Amazon. My website is daniellepierce.com and my YouTube channel and the name of the company is Real Estate Profit Lab. Either of those ways are great to get in t- contact with me. Fantastic. Danielle Pierce from the Real Estate Profit Lab. Thanks for joining me on Get Down to Business and Entrepreneurship. We talk a lot about entrepreneurship. My next guest who is joining me here in studio, Matt Strauss, he's the founder and CEO of Solve. He's joining me here in studio and he's going to share some of his secrets, tips, advice, We are the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You're listening to Get Down to Business, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And as promised, I am joined here in studio by what uh, we can definitely call a serial entrepreneur. 
uh, somebody who I've known for quite a while, Matt Strauss. He was named in 2019 um, by Korean Chicago Business as one of the 20 in their 20s. I believe that's the right title. And uh, Matt Strauss, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Shalom. Absolutely. So you are the founder and CEO of Solve, in which you uh, your software uh, network empowers overlooked job seekers to find the right careers, hourly jobs, training programs, career fairs, and supportive services. That's quite the undertaking. Let's hear the story behind you, and then we'll perhaps get a little bit into the story of Solve. Uh, let's talk about that serial entrepreneurship and uh, what, what drives you every day. Yeah, so when we first met, actually, probably about four or five years ago, Started off with a way to shop local, support your favorite charity. And then what was interesting was that I actually had a bunch of nonprofits in our south and west of Chicago uh, to, get on our soft, to get on the mobile app. And then I had a lot of family offices in the North Shore. And then what happened was I saw there's an even bigger need out there besides just shopping local, support your favorite charity. There's actually a way to help people in our communities at scale. And I, I learned that after volunteering for so many hours in our south and west side. So. How could we do that more at scale was my, my goal in that, and then, we, then Solve launched. Well, it's, uh, you have uh, what would be called a social enterprise, um, and yes. you are accomplishing something fantastic. It's truly, rarely in life do you have a win-win. You have a win-win where you're helping people and uh, developing, I think, a fantastic, successful business, and you are employing quite a few people, so it's been fun to watch uh, to watch the team at Solve grow. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that need that you identified. Um, you, as as we just stated in your mission, you're trying to accomplish several things. Let's talk on the job seeker side. What are the challenges that most of the job seekers in the Chicagoland market uh, struggle with? Yeah, so our market is the entry to mid-level job candidate, um, typically on our south and west sides of Chicago. And what we uh, identified was that first, uh, someone's goal is to get a job. Uh, but the challenging thing is a really fragmented marketplace across under-resourced communities. And what happens is often a training program or a career fair is that first step or a few steps to get to that job. So we had to build a marketplace to actually match people to either a training program first or to a job, depending upon your story. So the data behind everything is the most powerful part. So you can start to actually match people and suggest things in real time instead of waiting for that flyer to come out or go into the church to see what's going on. We can actually do it all in real time. So you help them discover those opportunities in real time. What I find fascinating is you also pride yourself in helping uh, to identify educational opportunities and career pathways that help somebody grow in their career as well. Because just because somebody is at point A in their career does not mean that that should be the ultimate dream or, yeah. or metric of success. And then I think that that's really important. And then once you have the job, you want to be able to keep your job and you want to be able to grow within that career and within that world. So how does Solve uh, help with that as well? Yeah, so uh, what's unique about Solve is we have basically two profiles of a job candidate. One's a resume, an actual resume someone can make. We also identified that as a big problem that folks don't have the confidence, unfortunately, in making that first resume. So we can actually craft a beautiful resume. Another other, uh, questionnaire that we have is a challenge questionnaire around the barriers to employment. We have 19 go-to questions, and when we get that data, we can then suggest childcare. Uh, transportation, housing, and other resources. Employers will never see that data, but it can only help the candidate uh, fi- uh, get and keep a job along the way. So really a full 360 approach to helping uh, candidates. Now let's flip sides and let's talk on the employer <clears throat> side. So what are the challenges that employers are facing? 
And in this market, we just had uh, job numbers released on Friday. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of jobs that are out there, but yet it is hard to find the right candidates. Yeah, so uh, especially with the economy doing so well right now, employers are trying to get more and more clever. But what we realized, uh, Rush Hospital is one of our customers, uh, U Chicago, LaSalle Network. Um, their challenge is that we they only partner with five to ten uh, training programs or nonprofits at once when there's hundreds to thousands across our city. Um, so how can you do that much more at scale? So we we're, we have like a, a career pathway workflow that you can suggest to partner across the city uh, much more efficiently. Um, that's a huge uh, problem that they have to solve. Um, and on top of it, construction companies have diversity hiring initiatives that, as well as like local hiring numbers that they have to hit. So uh, Turner Construction, Clayco Construction are two of our customers. And for the real estate projects, they can actually use our software to source folks through career affairs or through just sourcing through our software. And we also grab the data on the back end of DNI numbers, whether ethnicity, zip, zip code, even the ward people are, are, are come out through because those are all things that they have to report. And we realize, um, you know, the first part is just sourcing people, but on the back end, if we can save time in tracking the data, they'll even pay money for that, that saving time component. So I know you talk about sort of two different categories of, you use the term partners. Um, you've got the employer partners, then you have the nonprofit partners as well. And I know that both sides of this is, are, are critically important. Yeah. Uh, you have a very impressive list of organizations. You just named a few of them. Um, one of them I noticed is a veterans organization. You know how passionate I am about, uh, about uh, issues that, uh, that help veterans and, and service members. Um, so how does an organization partner with you? And, you know, shameless plug, Hopefully, some of the folks listening on the program tonight yeah. will get in touch with you and we'll explain how. But what does a nonprofit partnership look like? Yeah, so we typically work with schools, training programs, uh, churches, or sometimes supportive service organizations. But the first step is, hey, we have a lot of alumni that graduated our program and they reach out to us, but I don't have the bandwidth anymore to help folks at scale. Can your software help other people find their next job or the right training program and actually track my data or track that impact along the way? Because that helps me get more grant funding. I so, love that word impact. That's what it's all about, trying to make an impact. It's not just about checking the box and helping somebody find a job or helping yeah. fill a position. Um, it's about making that impact in the community because ultimately that's, that's where Solve was sort of based and founded and continues to uh, retain its mission. Yeah, it, it's we're so lucky. I would say is we're, our team. We keep getting more, better, and better talent every time. Uh, our team has been talented from day one. But some of the new folks that have joined our team recently, a shout out will come out soon. Um, it's amazing. It's just the the folks. But uh, yeah, what happened is what we're learning is that every dollar we make will lead to about two to five x more impact because we can start to show the real time data of in communities. So for example, we're getting. Veteran space is something that I'm very passionate about as well, but we started off actually in the reentry space, so folks coming out of prison. So the first thing that we identified were a lot of the candidates were going on Facebook first, trying to find you know friends or family they could crash at or whatever mm. it could be. Um, but how? What if you could actually create one profile? You come out of prison, or actually while you're in prison, actually wake up to a new login that actually has your resume already made. Then uh, what happens if you could actually find the right um, ways to get rid of your record? So now we're actually piloting some ideas in Englewood through Teamwork Englewood, uh, which we'll disclose later on if you follow us on Solve That Is. Um, but yeah, we're actually going to be piloting a way to help folks create one profile, make the resume as well as expunge your record in real time uh, if their record can be expungible. Well, um, I'm proud of all that you're accomplishing, and thank you for all that hard work. Um, so I'm curious. We're in early 2020. It's been a uh, it's been a uh, relatively short ride for Solve, where you've already been able to have a a pretty fantastic impact. 
Where do you hope uh, to go over the next five years? Yeah, so this year we're actually expanding about 10 new cities, maybe 12. Um, and the way we grow is it's a beachhead approach. So we find one partner, whether it's a group like Defy Ventures that we're growing in multiple cities with, um, or like a group in Dallas that has just a few partners, uh, or many partners. So they actually invite all their nonprofits, all their employers, and then we grow together uh, and we track how many jobs they can place all in one place. So in summary, this year about growing into 10 new cities. Our goal uh, in the next five years will be about 100 cities across the country. We just found out last week that a team in Canada <laughs> has the same challenge uh, for construction uh, and also a team that was out in Dubai had a similar challenge. So we're not saying we're going to grow to Canada or Dubai anytime soon. But uh, it is interesting because, um, yes, the terminology is way different in every country we're le- realizing, especially the languages. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, the patterns and the challenges are all the same. It just re- it revolves around just kind of different terminology to, to do similar, uh, solve similar problems. Well, congratulations on all of the success. And I know our listeners want to get hold of you, uh, either to partner uh, because of uh, jobs or nonprofit partnerships, or even those that are actually looking for a job and looking for a solution. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, yeah, go to www.solve, S-O-L-V-E dot I-S, is, www.solve dot I-S, is. Um, you can also email me at matt at solve, that is. I respond emails uh, more than phone calls. And you respond very quickly, which is fantastic, and all over, obviously, on social media as well. You could follow the work of Solve, and it sounds like there's some pretty exciting announcements coming in the very near future. So if you don't want to miss it, you've got to get on the website, solve, that is, Matt Strauss, founder and CEO of Solve That Is, as well as uh, one of the uh, 20 in their 20s, named by uh, Cranes. Giving out my age. <laughs> I, well, you know what I am. Uh, you should be very proud of all that you've accomplished. So, uh, Matt, uh, thanks for all that you've done so far, and I'm excited to uh, continue to follow your story over the next few years. Yeah, thanks for having me, Shalom. Always good to see you. Absolutely. Well, my next guest, um, we are in the, uh, the election season, uh, so my next guest uh, will talk to us a little bit about his race uh, for Cook County Clerk of uh, and we are excited to have uh, Jacob Meister join me here on the radio. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Shalom Klein. You're listening to Get Down to Business. You can download podcasts on my website at shalomkline.com. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. Be right back, Chicago. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And as I say on this program very regularly, there are many people and many things that affect business. And one of those, uh, one of those people and one of those things uh, are, uh, are folks in elected office. Elected officials have a lot to do with small business and uh, enabling business to be successful. So uh, my next guest is a fellow who has uh, joined me on the air in the past, and he is running as a Democrat for Clerk of the Circuit Court um, here in Cook County. Uh, Jacob Meister, welcome to the program. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So, Jacob, you are running for a very important office, but an office that some people, perhaps non-attorneys, don't know a lot about. Um, But I know you believe that everybody should know and, and emphasize the importance of this office. Let's talk about why. Well, absolutely. So there's on the ballot, you're going to have two countywide constitutional offices. One is state's attorney and the other is clerk of the circuit court. Um, the current clerk, Dorothy Brown, has decided to retire. So she's not going to be running. It's an open seat. I did run for this office four years ago. I'm a practicing lawyer. And amazingly, even though I've got three opponents, none of them have practiced regularly in the Cook County courts. And the Cook County courts are the second largest court system 
in the country having almost 400 judges in courtrooms that do everything from, you know, deal with the business matters, uh, you know, chancery and law divisions, but also child custody, child support, uh, uh, foreclosures, evictions, criminal matters, you know, handling all the traffic tickets. So it's, it really impacts a lot of people. Uh, there's about a million and a half cases that are filed in the circuit court every year. And the clerk's job is to make sure that the trains run on time. Well, um, it's, it's an important office, and that's a staggering, staggering number. And many in business, and I'm just going to focus on that category, sure. although families have to deal with the court system, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, quite regularly. But small business owners, there's a term that we know regularly, which is small claims. And small claims, I, I don't mean to, uh, to degrade uh, the, uh, the, the job of an attorney, but small claims, sometimes small businesses cannot afford to hire an attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's virtually impossible to navigate the system if you don't, uh, if, if you don't have an attorney. How do you plan to change the office to embrace technology as well as to make the office um, perhaps accessible or, or more accessible uh, to litigants that don't have a, an attorney? Right. Well, that, that is, you know, my, my, my plan, I've got four parts to my plan. Actually, I printed it out. I have it right here in front of me. People can check it out on my website, jacobforclerk.com. But it involves modernization, customer service, transparency, and access to justice. And you hit the nail on the head when you talked about people who don't have lawyers, pro se litigants is what they're called, um, having an impossible time navigating the court system. We recently, the Supreme Court recently mandated electronic filing, um, and that has that system um, has made things a little bit more efficient because you can electronically file documents into the court system, but it's a very cumbersome system and folks don't, who don't regularly practice have a lot of difficulty uh, accessing and filing documents online. What I want to do is bring it into everybody's neighborhood so that we can have in every single public library in this county uh, access points, so computer kiosks for filing, and work to train librarians so that they can help you individuals who aren't represented by lawyers navigate just the mechanics of getting documents filed, opening up a small claim, defending a small claim, child custody, eviction, foreclosure, whatever, probate, uh, whatever it is um, – what you need to do, you should be able to do it in your own neighborhood, not have to go to a courthouse between nine and five on a work day just to file simple paperwork. So, so sort of expanding the, 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 the brick and mortar of the court system and, and using embracing technology and embracing partnerships um, to make it more accessible. Exactly, exactly. And the, the library boards that I've talked to about this are absolutely delighted because Libraries fulfill very important functions these days to, to you know, provide services like access to courts. And how large is the office in terms of employees and in terms of, uh, in terms of dollars and cents? Well, the, the office has a budget of $120 million and approximately 1,500 employees. Um, and so it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a massive system. It's a massive undertaking. I know 
the listeners have probably are familiar with some of the problems that Dorothy Brown's had, both operationally and ethically. And that's going to be another challenge that we have to clean up is to ethically uh, make sure this office uh, is operating in a clean manner. Um, you know, recent reports are that the current clerk has been selling jobs. So this is selling public jobs. Uh, the most recent allegation is $15,000 uh, for a job being sold for cash at the corner bakery across the street from the Daily Center. So that's that. That's going to be one of those. The ethics issues are going to be a big challenge to take care of, too. And this is an office that the entrenched political machine would love to continue to hold on to. But, you know, I'm saying we got to come in. My motto is we got to have a, a court system that's accessible, navigable, efficient for all stakeholders with minimal bureaucratic or political interference. Well, Jacob Meister running for candidate for uh, Cook County Clerk of Court uh, will be right back with me, and we'll talk about why you. We'll be right back. Okay. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We're powered by our good friends at Tandem HR, your solution center. Give them a call, 630-928-0510, or check out their website, tandemhr.com. So I'm chatting with Jacob Meister, uh, Democrat for Clerk of the Circuit Court. And uh, Jacob, you, uh, you've you been talking about your four-part plan um, to improve the office and... Um, there are other people that are running, as you said. the The incumbent is uh, has decided to retire. She was she's been around for a long time, and uh, it's time for some change. Everybody can agree with that. But why are you the one that should uh, that should make the change? Well, the, as I mentioned, it's the second largest court system in the country, and it is a very complex court system. And I'm the only one who's actually practiced regularly in the circuit court. I've been doing it for thirty years. And I think there's a recognition that whoever the next clerk is needs to have intimate knowledge and understanding of all the divisions and how they operate. It's, it's making sure the trains run on time. That's that's what it's about. And without that background in our courts, uh, it's it it'll be uh, impossible for for one of my opponents to do. In addition, you know, this is an office that has been so steeped in machine politics this is this office has been used as a patronage den um by you know everyone from michael madigan on down um for decades and decades and decades and that's part of the ethical problems that the office has had uh filled with pay to play um and you know ethically i'm I'm proud to say i'm endorsed by some of the best good government folks out there because, you know, David Orr among among them because they realize that this office is going to need serious reform, and I'm the one to do it. All of my opponents are entrenched politicians um, who are looking to get to the next higher office. I have committed to staying in this office if elected until I retire. So you are the reform candidate. You are an attorney that's running um, let's talk about the technology piece of it. You talked about part of your plan um, to help make the office more accessible to both business owners as well as individuals, families that, that might need to access the office um, without hiring expensive attorneys and sort of pro, uh, bringing about profits to, to, to the legal industry, which I know you are a part of, but yet you are campaigning with that experience of being an attorney uh, to, to bring it to the office. Technology is really important. Um, what 
individual or what level individual would you bring to that office that is such a massive office in terms of employees and dollars and cents um, to bring about uh, technology reform to the office? <clears throat> well, you know, court systems all across this country have embraced technology, not in Cook County. We still, judges and lawyers still hand write out orders by hand in triplicate using carbon paper. And that really causes a broken system because everybody who relies on information you know, is you have to step back in time in order to get information from the clerk's office. So for I, I, for instance, if I want a court document, a record, I have to go to a courthouse, order it, get a copy of it uh, on paper, and then I can scan it into my office system. We need to have downloadable, web-accessible uh, files so that the, every, the way the rest of the world works is is how the clerk's office works. And that means, you know, when you have this paper, this paper uh, block in the system, which it is, that means that our Department of Corrections, our state's attorney, our private litigants, our um, public defender, the sheriff's department, everybody who relies on information out of the clerk's office has to do it in a manual sort of way. So it creates great inefficiency for everyone all the way down the line. So. Um, other courts have utilized uh, case management systems. Uh, Cook County does not have a robust case management system, a modern case management system. Um, there's currently $36 million, which has been allocated for case management system. Um, they've identified a, a, a provider by the name of Tyler Technologies, um, which has a system called Odyssey. It's a system that a lot of other courts around the country use, but they've also had lots and lots of problems with the L.A. courts, the Los Angeles courts, which is the largest court system. It took about five or six years of major, major problems before they got it right with Tyler Technologies. So, so if you were elected to the office, um, would you uh, revisit that contract? Well, that contract is kind of, that, that, that's already left the station. So I'm going to be sad. Whoever takes over this office is going to be saddled with the Tyler Odyssey system. But we can learn from what the Los Angeles courts did, which is to highly customize it because the Tyler system, while it may be good for some small court systems, say in South Dakota, when you move it into a massive court system the size of Cook County where we have these highly specialized courts and divisions with all of each having their own uh, operating needs, you have to customize your software to meet the way that the courts work. And that is going to be the challenge is to work, sure. work with the folks that I already know, the, the, you know, the lawyers, the judges, all of the stakeholders, make sure that we're providing accessible information to all 135 uh, police departments around Cook County, to the, the, the Department of Corrections, everybody who relies on information into and out of the court system needs to be a partner in 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 this transformation process. Well, it's from- a four-part plan that you have, uh, modernization, transparency, customer service, and access to justice. And I've uh, focused heavily on the modernization and, uh, and access, um, but uh, you have a plan. Uh, the only attorney that's running, or the only uh, attorney with a lot of experience, um, recent experience, running for the office of Clerk of the Circuit Court. Jacob Meister, how can people find you? They can find me on the web at jacobforclerk.com. That's the the word for, so jacobforclerk.com. Um, I'm going to be number 145 on the ballot. Uh, people are already early voting. If you haven't early voted, 
You can save time in line by doing it early. So, um, JacobForClerk.com. That's where you can find out more information about the campaign. Jacob Meister, thanks for joining me on, on the air. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll be back and get down to business with a couple of wrap-up tips, advice, and information. Hey, welcome back. What a fantastic lineup of guests we've had. I spoke to Danielle Pierce, uh, who's all about uh, women, wealth, and real estate. Um, learned a lot from her, and uh, I've been enjoying her book. Uh, so check out her website, DaniellePierce.com. Um, chatted with Matt Strauss, the founder and CEO of Solve. You can check out his website, solve.is. And he's accomplishing some great things in helping with employment. And finally, we just spoke with uh, Jacob Meister, who's running for clerk of the circuit court of Cook County. A great conversation there as well. You can learn more, uh, jacobforclerk.com. So uh, last week, I touched on a couple of important uh, things that I'm advocating for. Um, we touched on uh, on this uh, when talking to Matt Strauss, um, some of his work in trying to help veterans with employment. And uh, I am involved with an organization called the ROA, the Reserve Officers Association. They have a local chapter um, and they have a seat on the uh, Illinois Department of Veterans Affairs Advisory Council. And they have proposed a list of a priority list of veterans legislation that would help um, to ensure that those that have and are serving have uh, priorities, uh, have priority access to uh, several things uh, in recognition of, of the time uh, that uh, many of those that I've been fortunate to uh, to to get to know um, through my service in the Army Reserves, um, that uh, those that serve uh, should be served. And uh, I want to talk about uh, each of those four pieces, five pieces of legislation, um, and hopefully you can uh, lend your voice to this and uh, help to pass these things. The first one is Senate Bill 110, uh, which ins- ensures uh, an, uh, an amendment uh, to the Disabled Veterans uh, Homestead Exemption. Um, the bill has passed the Senate for the past three years, but has been stalled in the Illinois House. And uh, exactly as uh, as mentioned in the title of the bill, it, uh, it provides a homestead exemption for disabled veterans. Um, who can oppose that? Uh, the second one is Senate Bill uh, 1225, which is a transfer of veteran education benefits to children. Uh, those that serve, um, you, uh, they are provided uh, benefits, educational benefits, and it is in many states possible to pass along those education benefits uh, to children. Um, makes sense. Lend your support to that. Senate Bill uh, 1225. Uh, Senate Bill 2283 uh, is uh, admission to the Veterans Home um, of retired guard and reserve members. Currently, um, the veterans homes throughout the state of Illinois is not open or accessible to those that retire from the National Guard or the Army Reserves. Uh, that should definitely be opened up. Uh, House Bill 5422 uh, provides a $5,000 tax credit to employers, those that support uh, the employment, the civilian employment of those that serve in the National Guard and the Army Reserve. Again, a bill that has been passed in many states and Illinois is behind the curve in that. A $5,000 tax credit to those uh, that employ those individuals in the Illinois National Guard and the uh, Army Reserves. And finally, uh, a bill passed by my very good friend or, or sponsored by my very good friend, uh, Ron Villavellum, uh, State Senator Ron Villavellum, uh, Senate Bill 7871. Um, encourages and expands ASVAB testing and recruiter access in Illinois high schools, making it possible 
and encouraging a pathway for those that want to serve in the National Guard and the Reserves or in the uh, or in the full time active uh, active duty Army. Um, and the ASVAB testing is what is sort of that initial entry point. How uh, how. Uh, those that are in high school, high school students can be tested to to learn about their potential careers in the military and expands their access to recruiters. A bunch of bills you can learn about all of those on the uh, ROA, the Reserve Officers of America, Department of Illinois uh, website, ROA.org. Check it out. You can find all of the priority legislation and very easy way uh, to access your state representatives, state senators to lend your support. And I hope that you will. Uh, great conversation today. We are the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship powered by Tandem HR, your solution center. Check them out online, tandemhr.com. Give them a call, 630-928-0510. And as always, you can download podcasts from the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship on my website, shalomkline.com. That's where you can get a sneak peek. We'll be on next week. Uh, to success, let's get down to business. Talk to you next Sunday.